0: Greetings, seam heads far and wide. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, just a half block from Coors Field. I am Casey Light. This is the final installment of our three-part series on pitchers and catchers reporting. Yes, pitchers and catchers are in Arizona. They are throwing baseballs with coaches watching in uniform Uh, first Workout officially got underway yesterday, Uh, although a lot of guys have already been down there, uh, so we're so excited. We're actually seeing live baseball being played. Uh, The rest of the team will report a little bit later on this week, and the first game, believe it or not, is just about one week away next Friday. I am joined this morning by the editor-in-chief and one of the founders of Mile High Sports Magazine, Doug Ottawa. We're talking bullpen today, so I figured I would go to my bullpen guy, Doug Audible, welcome to the Blake Street Regulars podcast presented
1: by Tap Fourteen. I'm like a like a middle innings kind of guy, you know. You get a, the 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 starter gets roughed up. Somebody's like, who's gonna who's gonna take some of these pitches? That's me.
0: So, D- Doug, you're you're calling yourself a mop up man. Is that really what <laughs> yeah. this is? I, I no, I I think you've filled a much more important role with Mile High Sports over the years. I would. I would be so inclined to call you a plus side guy, right? <laughs> sure, sure. About. We're talking, I'll take that. We're talking about the bullpen, and let's start there. We want to talk about uh, the guys that were on uh, Bud Black's roster last year. Obviously, a very successful 2017 campaign, 87 wins. Uh, they go on and secure that second wild card spot, and. Find themselves playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. In fact, a game where the bullpen was very, very important because John Gray lasted just That's one That's when p- I would have come in. <laughs> one innings. Uh, you know, what, what was so amazing about that game, not to get too far off track of talking about the bullpen, was that the Rockies, despite John Gray's really tough outing just lasting that, those 1.1 innings, um, that they actually stayed in that game for most of it until that RJW triple.
1: And, and, and to your point, it, it speaks volumes of not only the depth of the bullpen, but how Bud Black managed them. And I think that's a pretty good segue into what we're going to talk about today. But, I mean, the fact that they were able to kind of climb out of that hole and make that game interesting says says everything about how the Rockies pitching staff was handled last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Bud Black was really masterful with that. And, you know, we we came into last year... With a lot of doubt about the bullpen, because let's, let's be honest, so. historically, the Rockies bullpen has been their weakest link, and yet last year it was such an asset for this team. Uh, the big offseason acquisition last year obviously was Greg Holland. Nobody really knew what to expect from Greg Holland. He was coming off of the Tommy John. Then, of course, he goes on to win multiple Reliever of the Month awards, ties the franchise record in saves, but we also saw a little bit of... A, cracks in the foundation there late in the season you know Holland obviously struggled in that final game of the, of the year uh that wild card performance where you know the Rockies were kept fighting back kept fighting back and and Holland kind of coughed it up at the end uh but n- not to take away anything he had really an outstanding year and there's no doubt that without his uh 41 saves that the Rockies would not have been in the position that they were in however this year the Rockies have moved on. Holland became a free agent. He uh, opted out of his por- uh, portion of the deal. Uh, and understandably, he saw you know a great opportunity to go and get paid. That is still yet to be determined, which is kind of an interesting wrinkle in all of this. Uh, but the Rockies have made the move uh, to go ahead and sign Wade Davis to the largest contract ever given out to a relief pitcher. Uh, your thoughts on that move, trading Holland for Davis?
1: Well, I, I think... I'll I'll start from the beginning because last year down at spring training I remember talking to Greg Holland and and you know in a very kind of uh, gingerly way I asked him why here why would you come to Colorado <laughs> and I think for starters Bud Black had a lot to do with that yeah. I think uh, his injury had everything to do with that because he was one of those guys that a lot of teams were a little leery to reach out there despite how good he had been in the past. And I think it it, and look, if he hadn't have had the year that he had, I don't think we're talking about these acquisitions and the approach that the Rockies have right now, because his success sort of paved the way he in a way he undid a lot of the damage that Rockies past pitching acquisitions have done over the years. And so when I talked to him back at spring training, he was very confident in his own health. And it was obvious that the Rockies were confident in his own health. And I think he looked at it as a, as a way to make probably as much money as he could have made anywhere yep, and a chance to show major league baseball that he was okay. Now the Rockies I think took this opportunity to say, look, we know the kind of pitcher that's going to succeed here and he's it. We're going to bring him in with a little bit of risk and I mean, you got to give Jeff Bridich a ton of credit for this gamble because it really paid off. And it didn't just pay off with his 41 saves, it paid off with the fact that Wade Davis actually considered coming here, something that was previously really kind of unheard of. I mean, a top mark, you know, a marquee free agent pitcher of any kind, starter, bullpen, whatever, they wouldn't have considered it. But I think because Holland, and I'm, I'm assuming he and Davis have a pretty good relationship from their Kansas City days. Yeah. I think he probably said, you know what? You can be successful there. It's not that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, you almost wonder, is there a recording artist out there who's going to rewrite New York, New York to be about the Colorado Rockies bullpen? Because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Exactly. Uh, look, Look, let's be honest. Wade Davis got paid. It's not as though he came here just thinking, "Oh, this is my opportunity to win." That really mattered. That really did matter. And and there are huge opportunities to win, especially this year, uh, while you've still got that core trio of Charlie Blackman, DJ Lemayhew, and Nolan Arenado all together uh, for at least what we hope is is one more big run. You got to have an attractive
1: trio. roster. It's not just the money. And yeah. I think you make a really so, good point there. So
0: that is there. He also you touched on Bud Black and how important that is. Uh, and. T- he saw that there's opportunities here but but yes without a doubt the fact that Greg Holland had as much success as he did last year, I think, really probably helped the Rockies secure Wade Davis because, as you mentioned, they haven't had a lot of success of attracting arms. I think back to the Boone Logans, right? And those types of guys right. that they expected to come in and do something. You know, Boone Logan, obviously not on the same level as, as someone like Wade Davis, but guys that th- those were the types of guys that they were able to attract. Um, you know, more recently, and a guy who's currently on this roster, a guy by the name of Mike Dunn, who, you know, we all expected to be a, a very strong plus side guy. He's been here hit or miss for the Rockies but he will be on this roster this year without and, a doubt.
1: And you know, you, you 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 talk about Dunn. I remember if memory serves, they had brought in Dunn prior to Holland. Yes. And I remember that being pretty exciting for most people that follow the Rockies because they thought, you know what? That's a that's a good sign that you're going to go out and get a guy like Mike Dunn and he didn't have the year that I think people expected or hoped, you know, looking at his numbers Four four seven ERA, but he did play in 68 games, so he was a guy that they went to a lot, and he survived the season, so to speak.
0: Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing that I think that's so interesting about Mike Dunn was, you know, I think they expected him to be a plus side guy, and when he had some of those struggles early on, he settled into a very different role. He sort of quietly led the team in appearances. We we were talking beforehand as we were doing some preparation for this, uh, that we both thought that Scott Oberg was the guy who who led the Rockies in appearances. Oberg came in second just a couple Couple of games yeah. behind, but it felt like man, every other game we're watching Scott Oberg march out there and and Oberg, you know, was very serviceable in his role. Uh, you know, you talked about your role being the innings eater, and, and in a lot of ways, that's what Scott Oberg was last year. But Mike Dunn also, you know, a lot of appearances. Uh, obviously, you know, 68 games, only 50 innings pitched. He was much more of a, a left-handed specialist, a left-on-left. Sure. Uh, and he was very effective in that role, especially later on in the season. Uh, but we know, that, we know that both of those two will be on this roster this year. We know that Mike Dunn and Scott Oberg will be on this roster. Obviously, we've talked about Wade Davis uh if we rewind and look back to who was on this roster last year on opening day uh some other names that that we can point to and say okay did they did they make an upgrade or an improvement in in this move uh and and the first one obviously that jumps out is everyone's uh you know whipping boy over the last several years uh, jordan lyles who was who was basically given his outright release last year uh and if, if you're looking at it just from a one-to-one opening day roster trade, uh assuming everything goes smoothly through uh through spring training, Brian Shaw is your replacement right. for Jordan Lyles. Uh, a pretty significant I like upgrade that.
1: there. <laughs> I, I think anybody yeah. in baseball would take that, right? I, I think the thing with Lyles, and I mean, look, he really was the whipping boy. He would come out <laughs> there and and pretty much it would garner the uh the collective groan of Rockies fans everywhere. But you know, obviously an upgrade. I mean, there's no there's no real discussion there, but when you look at Shaw, I think the thing that's interesting to me about Shaw is that he is a guy that, you know, we talked about guys that eat up innings, but Shaw is really the ultimate workhorse, and yeah. I think that's, it's it's good and bad, and I'll say why, because I think if you have a guy that can eat up innings at Coors Field, you're you're really to the good. Because if a guy can survive and, and maintain his, his not just his arm, but his mental state pitching a lot of innings at Coors Field, and obviously on the road, but it, you need a guy like that because that's, that's really what can help carry a bullpen in this ballpark. But the other thing that I'm curious to see is what's that going to look like at Coors Field? Because a guy that's pitched a ton of innings elsewhere coming into Colorado, I mean, everybody talks about it's it's not so much the altitude, but it's it's the recovery time, Absolutely. it's the oxygen levels, you know, all these scientific things that show why it actually might be harder to pitch in Denver, Colorado, than it is in Cleveland. Um, I think that's going to be interesting to kind of see because this guy throughout his career is just he just pitches. That's what he does. He gets out there and throws and throws and throws and throws, and I'll be curious to see a if if the Rockies use him that way and b if they do how what is effect on him? I, I my guess is and this is just a guess and i'd like to talk to bud black about this more you know as we get into spring training but my guess is that they're going to be a little bit uh tender with him they're they're going to not try to get the the same kind of push that that he got that he had in cleveland
0: yeah some numbers f- for you to consider and to weigh when you're when you're talking about uh, Brian Shaw who is is one of depending on the on the time window that you look at but he's basically one of the biggest innings eaters uh, out of the bullpen in major league baseball um, has not pitched less than 64 innings in his last 5 seasons uh, had 79 appearances last year 75 the year before that 74 and 80 appearances so this is a guy who's used to coming in um and his innings he's not just a, a pure specialist if you look back over that time 76.2 innings 66 innings 64 innings 76.1 innings so um yeah he's he's coming in in some in some unique situations maybe one or two outs but for the most part he's giving you a full inning and I think that's really how the Rockies envision him Brian Shaw is going to be your eighth inning plus side guy now obviously the hope is that the Rockies are in plus side situations plenty of time, so they will be able to go to him but I'm with you I think especially with what they saw with Greg Holland last year they do have to be a little bit mindful about how much they use both Davis and Shaw uh, that being said you know the Rockies obviously the reason they were in the postseason last year was how How strong they were through the middle of June. They were the best team in the National League for basically April and May. Uh, Started to slide a little bit in the second half of June, uh, but it was how strong they were in the early part of the season. And I don't think for a minute that Bud Black doesn't remember that and keep that in the back of his head. You stockpile wins any and every time you can. The nice part about this Jordan Lyles for Brian Shaw trade-off is that you go out and you re-sign a guy like Jake McGee, who we haven't talked about quite yet, uh, but is going to be a very, very important part. We talk about the plus side guys, and Jake McGee fits that bill as well. He's really kind of the the, the three off-season signings for the Rockies were Jake McGee being re-signed, Brian Shaw being added, and then Wade Davis uh, sort of being the trade-off for Greg Holland. Uh, the nice part about Shaw and Davis is that you have McGee in your back pocket. Yes. The plan is to potentially use him as a seventh inning guy, but you have so much depth elsewhere in the bullpen. And we'll talk about that in just a moment, but you can use McGee in a closer role, or you can use him in an eighth inning role. You can really use McGee to spell either Davis or Shaw. If they start having a little bit of fatigue, Uh, you know, I, i I'm one hundred percent with you in the sense of the recovery is the difficult part for pitchers at Coors field. We saw that with Greg Holland as he faded down the stretch because he was used so much. I think some of that comes down to the fact that Greg Holland is not a particularly efficient pitcher and right that's one thing that a I lot really of effort like, yeah, out of he, his body he, type there's, there's there's a difference when you look when you're counting appearances and innings versus pitches and Greg Holland, yes, he earned that high save number, but they were they were very complicated saves at times we'll put it stressful through, right we'll yeah say. exactly and so you know, it wasn't as if he was coming up and it was three up, three down on 12 pitches, right? right Some right. of these were, you know, we're talking about, you know, elongated innings and, and walks and a lot of control issues. That's what I love so much about the Davis and the Shaw signings is they are control pitchers. They're guys who pound the strike zone. And what I especially like about the two of them is that they are fastball, curveball pitchers as opposed to fastball or cutter slider pitchers, which is what Holland was. Holland was more of a, more of a cut fastball slider guy where you've got a true hard fastball uh curveball combo in wade davis and brian shaw now jake mcgee who we were talking about he's just pure country heat he's just gonna come out and, and try and pump his fastball yeah. past you um but, and you and and that's
1: fine you need one of those guys yeah
0: and, and they have a few more of those you know uh, we talked about oberg a little bit earlier on in, in the uh, podcast he definitely uh fits that same bill a guy like carlos estevez who's in the mix uh fits into that bill uh but what When you look at the plus side guys, we we mentioned those three, Davis Shaw and McGee, sort of the fourth guy that fits into that. And he's really the the jack of all trades. I would argue that he was in many ways the most valuable reliever overall. I I think if if you take closer out of the equation and you take a a guy like Kenley Jansen or Greg Holland out of the equation, uh, Chris Russin was without a doubt the most valuable reliever in Major League Baseball last year. Did just about everything for the Colorado Rockies. He will be back and he certainly fits that plus side bill. So there's your four plus side guys. Uh, We talked about uh, Oberg. We talked about Dunn. Those two we can pretty much lock in. That really only leaves two more spots available for Bud Black in his... Uh, in his opening day bullpen yeah last year we had uh two guys that we expect to probably be there again this year uh in carlos estevez and adam Adovino. however there's some bodies behind them especially young pitchers who can both start and come out of the bullpen that are going to be putting some heat on estevez who has been very up and down and adam Adovino, who has been when you Steph has the up and down has been in short staccato segments, whereas Adam Adavino has been up for long periods of time and then down for long periods of time. The, that to me is where the real battle in this bullpen is going to exist. Yeah. Is with those two guys and what happens with them.
1: And, and I think that the uh, the fact that they have these these uh, you know battles or tr- spring training battles, I think that makes it makes this bullpen. Even stronger, and it's not because of the old cliches of oh, competition breeds you know this and that. I think it's because we all know that somebody probably in April is going to get hurt, and somebody in May is going to get hurt. And it's just when you have these when you have these slots where guys are openly competing, and and as we sit here right now at the end of February, and we can say it could be this guy or it could be that guy, and it's and it's a mm. Both viable options. A team like the Rockies has to have that because, I mean, there's no escaping history. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get tired. And, and I think, you know, you saw it even last year with, with John Gray. I know he's a starter, so it's not necessarily comparable to the bullpen. But when he comes back or when those guys come back, it's almost like getting a boost Yeah. As if, they're, if they're back and truly healthy because, you know, just about that time that, that the bullpen – seems to be tired there will be one of these guys that we're talking about right now that may not make the opening day roster that'll come in and have an effect in may and then the guy that he replaced will come back in august and and give him another boost um you know i was thinking as we were talking about um kind of the rockies the back end of the bullpen i had this thought and i'll run it by you. and i mean you know you know the history of this team as well as anybody but if you really look at the the best year the Rockies ever had, which was 2007, and you look at how that bullpen was constructed, it's very very similar to right now. I mean, we talked last you know last year about uh, the 41 saves that kind of just came out of the blue. No one expected that to happen. Um, but if you look at 2007, there were 39 saves from Fuentes and, and Corpus. And what people forget is that Fuentes really started that year as the closer and, and Corpus became the closer. But, you know, when you talk about a guy like Shaw, who's going to, who's going to get you through the eighth unscathed, that's been his career. And then you hand it off to a guy like Davis. That is the model. That was the model that worked in 2007. And that was the model that should work in 2018. And then, You know, you talk about a couple of those other guys that can eat up innings, like a Mike Dunn. Well, that team in 2007 had Jeremy Affeld. Mm -hmm. He had 75 appearances. You had LaTroy Hawkins, 62 appearances. Even, even George Julio, I know you have that poster. (laughs) He had, you know, 58 innings, but that, that really is kind of your, uh, that's kind of the model when you look at these guys and the the tiers at which they are, and you can clearly d- identify, okay, you know, you've got Davis as your closer, you've got uh, Shaw as your handoff guy. And then you've got a bunch of guys who can get you to the 8th. Yep. And safely to the 8th.
0: Well, and, and it's funny you talk about the comparisons with the 2017 because in many ways, the 2007 and the 2017 team were, were similar in yeah. that manner. Um, and I look at it, and you trace it all the way back, really even to the first inning of the game, uh, the way that those starting rotations played out over the year. I don't know that that's how they were necessarily intended to be constructed, uh, but the Rockies that year... Had a surprising number of starters. Uh, yeah, you know, they had you a know, lot. They had their 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 top quote-unquote five guys you had the guys like Cook, Francis, Fogg, Ubaldo Uh, you know Jason Hirsch made 19 starts for him. Uh, Rodrigo Lopez also made 14 starts for that team but you had a guy like Taylor Buckles who made eight starts. Franklin Morales who made eight starts uh, for that team and and the Rockies kind of ended up having to do the same thing last year where they piecemealed you know we've I've mentioned this stat because it's my favorite stat from last year but more than 50 percent of the Rockies starts last year came from those four rookies Freeland Hoffman Sensatella and marquez how the front end of you know how the starting rotation sets up is how your your bullpen ultimately is affected and that's one of the things when we look at these top eight when we when we mention guys you know like carlos estevez and adam on they're feeling pressure because the rockies want to keep someone like a jeff hoffman for example at the major league level, if there's an opportunity to do so, because he's going to see big league hitting. I personally think that there's some value in having him down in Triple A at Albuquerque, uh, building up a starter's mentality. But boy, is it hard to keep a live arm like that off of the roster. If if I have to choose between having Jeff Hoffman up at the big league level or having a, a questionable Adam Ottavino, yeah, I'm paying Adam vino a, a pretty decent sum. But boy, is that a really really tough decision for me to make if. I'm Bud Black because we know there's not room for I mean unless Hoffman just goes completely lights out and has a spring maybe like Antonio Sensatella did last year right there's really not going to be room for him is you know is Sensatella a guy that's also going to be potentially in the bullpen we know that they had to back way way off his workload because in 2016 he only had those 35 innings pitched in double a whereas you know we saw that wear and tear I mean caught up to him very very quickly last year We had nine wins by June 19th only one more for the entire rest of the year. Um, you know, a guy like Herman Marquez, who started last year in the bullpen uh, with Chris Russon on uh, on the DL with that oblique. Uh, you know, that's kind of a one to one trade there. But Marquez you have to imagine he's going to be in the rotation this year. So all of these things sort of connect the dots. And, and you, we talked about the 2017 team, the 2017 team. And now as we look forward to the 2018 team, you know, yes, Bud Black is is very fortunate that he has seven guys competing for five starting rotation spots because something is going to happen. He's got a number of guys, you know, you've got Jairo Diaz, who's coming back off of, uh, off of a Tommy John, who's hopefully going to be healthy at this point, that could also be pushing someone like Carlos Estevez for a spot in the bull pen so the it's one thing that we've never actually said before but there are more quality healthy bodies than the Rockies have room for
1: definitely and I think what you're what you're alluding to also in in terms of whether a guy like Hoffman makes your opening day roster as a starter it also sort of Dovetails into these guys are going to be valuable to the bullpen. A lot of them will be. I mean, we saw what senzatilla was to the Rockies last year, and even though he sort of lost his steam as a starter, he was effective as a as a bullpen guy. Yeah. and and I think you know when we when we talked about uh, just a second ago about having an eighth inning guy, you know, your to, your true setup guy in Shaw and a closer in Davis, but you need guys to get there because we all know rocky's pitchers aren't going to go seven every game no but when you start talking about senzatella potentially marquez uh hoffman i'm not so sure you know if he he had 23 games 16 of which were starts so i mean they they experimented with him a little bit as a bullpen guy um and then you look at even somebody like I mean, like, you take Tyler Chatwood last year. I mean, a guy that's <laughs> kind, yes, of an ad- take him, kind, kind of an <laughs> adventure as a starter. He was. But they did get some valuable innings out of him as a bullpen yes, guy. yeah, to be so, fair. So, I mean, you know, and, and and who knows what his future holds. But there's lots of examples, you know, and it's really – it boils down to depth, and it, it is it's a really weird thing to be talking about. Boy, the Rockies sure do have more pitchers than they – I don't want to say need because I think over the course of the season they will need them. (laughs) But uh, Bud Black's got some tough, tough choices to make um, down in Scottsdale. Well,
0: and I think that for me where they become tough choices is what do you do with those two extra bodies coming out of the rotation. Do you put a guy like Sensatella in the bullpen because you don't want to tax his arm? Because, again, we know that that's a big part of of what needs to happen with him over the next couple of years. He's so, so young. I I mean, we're talking, you know, from an age standpoint, Antonio Sensatella is only going to be 23 this year. Um, Limited innings on that arm. So do you keep him up at the major league level so that he can continue to get that experience? But you trade that off for maybe he's not getting the starters reps that you would like because you'd like to see him somewhere in the rotation further on down the line. Same thing is true with a, with a Jeff Hoffman. You know, m- my feeling is that um, for Hoffman, especially, uh, you're, I-, I think that the strongest move or the best move is to put him down in AAA, let him get some starts under his belt, because long term, you want him to be a starter. Uh, you want him to be, you know, a-, a guy who's maybe your number two or your well,
1: number three. And I think we saw it some some glimpses of Hoffman as a really really good starter yes now because he's young and because he had uh, you know what every young pitcher has with ups and downs experience is gonna mean a lot to him I think this year and and I say that because you know when you when you compare him to maybe Sensatella early on in the season Sensatella just seemed like he threw easy you know he's got that big body that big arm it just seems effortless. Hoffman doesn't strike me as that, but he also strikes me as a guy that probably has more starter stuff, and and he's just he 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 seems like a guy that has maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling than Sensatella, and maybe that's not fair because they're both young. But Sensatella seems like a guy who's just going to be able to once he figures it out and once they've you know once he's not a baby so to speak. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a guy that can just throw and throw and throw and throw because of his body type.
0: Yeah, I I would. Here's here's some comparisons I might make Um, it a a guy like like Jeff Hoffman. To me, he kind of he maps out similar to someone maybe like a Steven Strasburg who, yeah, you're going to see good, strong, consistent starts out of him. But what you're really looking for is that one electric you Which know, 14, 15 has. strikeout type of a game. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, I think Sensatella, and I know it's not a, a direct one to one comparison, but to me, maybe it's just his body type, maybe it's a little bit of his demeanor. Um, and it's not to say that a guy like this can't go out because this guy has had a lot of those big strikeout type of performances, those completely dominant. Uh, but he str- he kind of reminds me of a right-handed CC Sabathia.
1: It's a good comparison because he's
0: he's just a big, strong dude that can just you, you figure once he gets fully up to speed. Um, You know, like we said, he's had some injury history. So that's the concern with Sensatella. But he's just he's got the body type that's built that you think, man, this guy should be able to go out and give you 100 pitches every five days without batting an eye and not and hardly break a sweat in doing that uh, obviously time will tell if he's able to do that I, I want to pause for just a quick moment and 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 shift because there's one other guy that could factor into this bullpen conversation uh, obviously they want him as a starter it's what he was brought up as a starter uh, but you know with Chad Bettis coming back into the rotation and obviously he's going to slot in there assuming that he's healthy and, and fully recovered from his cancer treatment all signs are pointing that he will be but Tyler Anderson is another sort of wild card in this whole equation obviously you'd love to have have him in the starting rotation as a second left-handed arm uh with kyle freeland but tyler anderson has also had some health issues and hasn't really been able to fully establish himself as a starter we saw that last year he was very very valuable down the stretch um pitched some very important games for them in august but really did not put together the complete 2017 that you'd like to see is he somebody that you would feel safe putting in the bullpen or, or how would you like to see tyler anderson's role shape up this year
1: well, I think that he's one of those guys. Gosh, he's he's got to be a border guy. I mean, he's got to be one of those tough decisions because, I mean, he was essentially he was a starter last year. I mean, he did come into the he did have some bullpen appearances, but I mean, is he yeah, is two. his it wasn't a huge it wasn't number. yeah is he a guy that can make that adjustment. Mentally to go into the bullpen. I don't know. I mean, he, he he strikes me as a starter, but when you start looking at the the starting rotation, does he fit even? I mean, I know last year <laughs> they were very very excited about him heading yeah. into the well, season. Well, he was
0: he was so strong in the second half. He, the The win loss record didn't necessarily show it, but I talked and, about this right. with, with Benny yesterday. The guy had a sub three five ERA, or, a, or sorry, it was right at three four. It was three five four, I think, but a sub four ERA. As in his first rookie in his, you know, basically a half a rookie season and was better in the second half. Yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what that's what's it's good and bad about Tyler Anderson. You hope a guy like that because of his injury history and because of the way last year unfolded doesn't get lost in the shuffle because he still could. I mean, he was the guy we were talking about at this time last year as being the guy that could make a huge difference. We weren't talking about. Marquez and Cinzatella and Hoffman and Freeland like these guys were hey look the Rockies have some nice young talent stockpile, but they weren't we weren't talking about them as being the guys who would carry them through May. Yeah. Tyler Anderson was that guy. Sure. And I think we were all very excited about him given the season that he had before. But where where does he fit in now that you that those same guys, Marquez, Freeland, Cinzatella, Hoffman, they all developed and we know yeah. they can pitch. Yep. Tyler Anderson is is kind of in a weird way the guy that has to answer questions but he was good down the stretch and I think a lot of people sort of forget about him in this conversation because they don't you know you look at the numbers and you're not overly impressed I mean 6 and 6 a 4.81 ERA he doesn't jump off the page in terms of a guy oh yeah he's going to be your guy or he's going to be your I mean really heading into last year I mean what was he expected to be in the rotation 3 Four?
0: Yeah, he was going to be your number three behind uh, John Gray and Chad Bettis. And then obviously, you know, the, the, the cancer recurrence and Bettis threw that for a right. loop. And then the struggles that Tyler Anderson had early in the year really complicated that. Um, I, Looking into my crystal ball, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that assuming that he's back healthy and that that knee is in good shape, Tyler Anderson is in this rotation in, in some form. I think
1: so too. Uh, you
0: know, I, I think Bud Black is going to be assuming everyone stays healthy, and that's that's the you know that's the the point through any spring training, and, and we saw you know how many ways that can change your not just your your bullpen makeup and your rotation, but your lineup as well last year. Um, let's assuming everyone stays healthy, I, I think you're going to see a situation where Bud Black has to make that decision. Of do I put Antonio Sensatella in the bullpen? Do I put Ermann Marquez in the bullpen? Uh, but if you do that, it's at the it's at the cost of giving up an Adam Ottavino who has proven over the years he he's a he can pitch at Coors Field. Right. Um, he's we've seen a slow but steady and, and increasing decline from Adam Adam but we're we're not so far removed, you know,
1: from a season where he was really impactful for this club. Right, and. You know, the funny thing, and I was having this conversation the other day because um, I sit on a on a committee that's charged with finding the athlete of the year. And the name Kyle Freeland came up because largely because he's local and he's top of mind and because he was on our latest magazine cover. But someone said, is he the Rockies best pitcher? And you know your gut answer is no 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 he's not the best he's not their he's not their ace he's but when you look at the performances last year collectively who is and you just mentioned the name Herman Marquez as a guy that Bud Black may be considering a bullpen spot for i could make the argument he was their best pitcher last year now from a talent standpoint and a what everybody expected standpoint the obvious answer is going to be John Gray and he's yep. not going to your bullpen but you could easily say Marquez was the Rockies best, most consistent pitcher last year. And all of a sudden we're talking about will this guy even be a starter? And that's a it's a it's an odd juxtaposition because it's a great problem to have. Yeah. At the same time, if you take a Tyler Anderson and say, you know what, he's a starter. By trade, he's a starter. We want him in our rotation. And if that means bumping Marquez or Cincinnati, it's a, that's that's one of your pitchers that you'd consider the best, and another one that you absolutely would have considered your best leading up to the All Star break, as being guys that they might not even make the starting rotation. It's a it's a really fascinating dilemma that Bud Black's going to face, and a, and a really kind of exciting proposition thinking about heading into this season.
0: Yeah, and, and look, Marquez. Tied for the team wins, uh, lead in wins with Kyle Freeland, as you mentioned. Uh, he was the team leader in innings pitched. So, you know, I, I keep going back to this, you know, fear of overuse on these young Especially guys. young guys, yeah. Uh, and, and so that's part of, I think, what's maybe... Tainting my view on Marquez. Look, realistically, I, I think he's going to be in the starting rotation. Deserves to be earned that spot. Um, you know, 29 starts last year, uh, 4.39 ERA was, like you said, from beginning to end, was the Rockies' most consistent starter. Uh, it's really more a matter of because you have Bettis back, because potentially Anderson slots in as a as, as another left-handed arm. Uh, you know, it's really is Marquez your number four or five, or where does he sit in? Do you put him in a bullpen role like you started him last year simply because he's able to make
1: the adjustment because
0: he can make the adjustment because yeah. he's such a dynamic arm he, a, a guy like Tyler Anderson really doesn't fit well in the bullpen because he takes so long to get ready and get lathered up and get prepared to enter a game whereas a guy like Armand Marquez has such a live arm give him 12 pitches and he's ready to go start or coming out of the bullpen so right what's funny is that it, it's actually his versatility that puts him in that position mm. uh, but realistically yeah he has I think earned a, a spot in this rotation but the nice part is Bud Black has so many options and I think that's what we keep going back to through all of this is for the first time in in many many years Bud Black has options we don't have to look at thankfully a Jordan Lyles uh it's really I mean it's sad to say this but you know (laughs) for as much as he contributed to the Rockies uh you know back in that um 2014 season where he was so lights out um you know a guy like Adam Adovino has sort of Assumed the mantle that Jordan Lyles wore last year, and, and you feel badly for a guy like him. But um, Ottavino is going to have to be very, very strong when he comes out, uh, or, or that spot uh, in in the in the bullpen is is potentially at risk because there are so many live arms uh, that don't have that sort of adventure factor that Adam Ottavino brings you with that sweeping slider.
1: Right, and I think it's. I hope we're talking about this. Uh, In May the same way as we are right now that there are options and that there is depth because it it is like I hate to keep going back to history but inevitably the Rockies are snake bit especially early on with pitchers. It seems like whatever the best laid plans in Colorado are quickly dismantled. Yeah. And I think you know again you kind of go back to credit uh, Jeff Breidich and you saw this in the outfield last year. There were so many options that when guys had slumps or when guys had injuries, it was just plug and play. You had guys that could do it, and I mean, the Ian Desmond signing was interesting because they were just hell bent on—he's a first baseman—but at the end of the day, the reason he was a good signing was because he could do anything. Yeah, and I think you have the same kind of model being applied to the pitching staff in general, and you know, starters, relievers. Outside of the 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 setup man and the closer, I mean, there's very, very few roles on this team that are totally set outside of maybe John Gray. And, and even he's a little bit of a question mark coming off of a short season plus a really, really rocky playoff start. But, you know, there's... There's a lot, a lot of potential in this lineup.
0: Well, you said you want to talk about this in May, hopefully under the same circumstances that they have too many great arms to choose from. We're going to make sure that it's sooner than May that you and I sit down and talk about this next. Absolutely. We will revisit uh, a conversation with Doug Ottawell. the editor-in-chief, and one of the founders of Mile High Sports Magazine. Well before that time, uh, expect to hear him again. He will be more regular on the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. (laughs) uh, Presented by Tap 14. Again, a big thank you to our friends at Tap 14. 1920 Blake Street, just a half block from Coors Field. They have 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, uh, very tasty American alpine fare that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally, so there's always something new. Make sure you get down there to 1920 Blake Street. Check them out. They have terrific rooftop views. That is where we will be doing our Thursday podcasts coming up. Once the season gets rolling, uh, In the meantime, get down there for March Madness. Get down there for all the great specials that they have going on during college basketball season and as baseball ramps up. Big thank you to our friends at Tap 14. Follow them on Twitter at TapXIV. That's TapXIV on Twitter or Tap14 spelled out. Tap14.com. Doug Audible, thank you very much.
1: I am Casey Light. Hey, one quick question for you. Don't wrap this up yet. (laughs) I had to ask this question because it just dawned on me. Whatever happened to Chad Qualls?
0: Chad Qualls is uh, somewhere in a retirement home <laughs> in South Florida. Uh, yeah, Chad Qualls was—he uh, was on the disabled list to start last year. If you remember, yes, I remember. Uh, he never came off that disabled list. Uh, well, he did for a very, very brief stretch. Uh, he might
1: have still been disabled though.
0: <laughs> it's very possible. Uh, you know, I know Chad Qualls obviously uh, did not pan out the way that the Rockies would have. Hoped uh, over the course of his tenure here, um, those uh, impressive <laughs> 16.2 innings pitched and a 5.4 ERA. I, I, I kid,
1: I kid, because uh, for everybody listening out there, I know that uh, Casey and I kind of had a little inside joke with Chad Qualls. Probably Casey's favorite player.
0: Well, I, you know what? Let's let's just say that. Uh, He and Jordan Lyles were in familiar company uh, within that Rockies bullpen. But the nice part is we don't have those same individuals uh, with the club this year. Uh, Yes, Chad Qualls coming up on his 39th birthday. Uh, We wish him the best (laughs) of luck um, out there. But we're very happy that the Rockies have moved on Uh, again. I am Casey Light. That is Doug Ottawa. This has been the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street. We'll be talking to you again early next week once The entire roster has convened down there at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. Got a lot of things to look forward to. In the meantime, make sure you check out MileHighSports.com. Comprehensive Rockies coverage there from myself, Anilo Piro, who covers the Rockies for us, uh, as well as a host of other great writers at MileHighSports.com. Again, thank you for listening. We'll be back early next week. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14.